Dude, it has YouTube stats. You don't know how to look at YouTube stats? Eh, they're all over the place. I was looking at it before it adjusted, and my stats, it, this was not real stats. I just want to make this clear. Yeah. It said 100% men. Oh, it, that's 100% men. You're right. Mine's also a lot of dudes. Not anymore. It's now that the stat, now they have enough views and stuff that it's adjusted now, it's adjusted. But the first time, I'm like, is there not a single female? <laughs> not one girl that's watching my content, but it's not true. There are. you were doing it for? They're all girls. <laughs> nah, that's not what I'm doing Man's it for. It's doing but, well. You don't even need YouTube analytics to. You know, get girls week. You know, but you just want it. I'm like, you just want it. Yeah, you want a little diversity. Like, so my mom's been lying to me. My mom's not watching. <laughs> right? So now there's more questions that come with this, What's right? Your brother's account, bro. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> That's what she'll say. Welcome to another episode of the Board with Nelly podcast. Today, I'm joined by Marco Agababa. Agababa? Agbaba. Agbaba. It's yeah. a quick... I didn't know where to put the emphasis in that. Yeah, well, you got to guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you're a real estate agent? Yep. yep. And I want to know about, every, about, about everything Canadian real estate. So, that's what we're talking about today. Yep. But let's talk about a little bit, little bit about yourself. What, how did you get into real estate? Yeah, so I got into real estate back in Waterloo. I started doing property management. Uh, and it was like a real estate developer that built student housing, which is actually, I am a real estate agent, but mostly what I do is build. I'm a, I'm a real estate developer. Oh, nice. Um, so back in Waterloo, I started working for a Serbian guy that was a student housing developer. Fell in love with it right away. Loved the business. Um, so what I started to do was when I was in university, I started buying properties. I had like two of them. So I moved to uh, Windsor after I was done my degree in Waterloo there. And uh, ever since, man, I've just how, been building. How long ago was that? About two and a half years, man. With the COVID thing, like, it's yeah. just like that. Like, it's the last two, three years, I have no idea where we're at, right? But uh, I think it's about two and a half years ago now that I moved here. So were you, like, saving money before that to get into it, or? Yeah, well, actually, like, this is a longer story, but I started investing when I was, like, 17. Really? Yeah, so I got into investing, like, Sanderson Farms, like, you know, some companies like that. I did a company called Tweed Marijuana. <laughs> okay. Which, like, I know now is kind of funny because, like, everyone marijuana stocks. But back then, like, no one was buying marijuana stocks. And pretty much what happened was I put, like, $1,200 into this. And I bought it. And I did the math because one of my roommates, I'm not going to lie, was selling weed. And I knew what he was paying for it. And, like, this company was buying it for less and selling it for more. And it was legal. All right. So like, yeah, like, instead of, of like, this goon, like, I'm going to invest with these guys, right? So I did 1200 That turned into, like, about 75 k like, What? By the time. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> Beginner's luck, right? By the time I graduated you, and I had some other investments, so I had about like six figures by the time I finished school. So I paid off student loans and then uh, bought my first property. That's how I got the capital for it. Dude, that's wild. Yeah, 1,200 into 75,000. Like, well, yeah, but the whole portfolio was like about 100K, but I added more in as I right. went, right? So I don't know what the exact amount that I invested in, but it couldn't have been more than like 7K max. Did you just take like, what, like part-time money? Like where'd you get? Dude, actually it was leftover OSAP money. <laughs> No way. Yeah. So I actually asked my guidance counselor in grade 12. So I started learning about investing when I was probably like 12, 13 years old. Like it kind of really started clicking with me. So I asked my guidance counselor because he said, well, you don't have to pay interest until you're done school. And I'm like, so wait, if there's extra, can I invest it? And he's like, ah, like, I guess so. That's what I did. So there's like 1200 left. Dude, that's a superpower. Like investing at an early age. I feel like yeah. if you know about it, it's literally a superpower because yeah. how many people actually invest before they're like 25? Like almost nobody. Almost nobody. Right. Well, because people always think too, right? Like, I want to have fun now. I don't really care what it's like at 60 and stuff, right? But I don't think people understand. Like, if you're kind of reasonably good at it, 
it's not going to be 60, dude. It's going to be like 30, 35, right. where you're kind of like, you're pretty comfy at that point, right? So, yeah, it's a sacrifice. And you're not going to really, like, detriment your life that much if you put no. a couple grand aside. You're going to, I mean, you're going to lose that grand doing some stupid shit at a club or Dude, whatever. it's all about the discipline of it, right? Like, right. it's the same as, like, eating donuts and gaining weight, right? Like, you have one donut every once in a while, you're not going to gain a ton of weight, but you eat a 12-pack of donuts, it's, it's going to change your life. Right, right, right. Same thing with investing. Like, if you're constantly going all in, it's going to suck, of course, but if you're disciplined and always maybe 20%, 30% of what you make, you right. invest it in. Over time, that adds up, right? Uh, I don't know about your parents, but my parents are also in the same non-investing boat because they saw it's a massive risk, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But and, and for the longest time, I believed them. But then I, as I got older, I realized, okay, the real trick is not to invest. The real trick is to make you think that investing is bad. Yeah. And that's how, like, the wealthy can, you know, sustain their wealth. Yeah, which where we just found out that both of our parents are from the same place. So uh, when I first invested in stocks, man, especially that young, my mom was having a heart attack. Really? Right? It's like, you're going to lose all your money, even though it's a thousand. But back then, a thousand dollars. Yeah, of course, for a kid. Money, right? So she's like, you're going to lose all your money. Yeah, yeah, terrible idea. Whatever. It was successful in that. Then I wanted to buy my first piece of real estate. You're a total idiot. You're going to lose all your money. What are you thinking? The cool thing about my parents is after all that like slander, as soon as I bought it and it was done, the next question was, all right, when do we get started? And, right. And they came right away to help out with whatever, right? Clean, paint. They were there the whole time right. with me. Um, but at the beginning, yeah, same as yours, right? They're scared. Right. That's fucking, that's wild, man. I can't believe at 14, you had the mindset to invest or 13. Or well, 17 is when I started. But when I started learning about it, I was really, really young. Like it had to have been grade nine, grade 10. So I don't even know how old you are. 12, 13. So right? you knew about investing. You're like, okay, I'm definitely going to do Now You had a few years to kind of learn about it, And then when you get yeah. some cash flow, were you like looking at stocks and stuff? Were you like studying? How, how hard yeah. did you go into this? No, like really hard. Really? Like, oh my God. The <laughs> amount of books I read is just ridiculous. Like through my university years, it was crazy. Like uh, during high school, it wasn't as much books as it was like just online learning everything I can. It all started, there's this kid named Derek. So Derek, if you're listening to this, <laughs> shout changed, out to Derek. Changed my life. We're not even like, we don't talk that much anymore. But so he told me this stupid thing where he was like, my dad told me if you invest $1,000 in your retirement plan, by the time you're 30, you'll have like 10 mil, which is obviously <laughs> fucking wrong. It's not true. But at the time, I'm like, God damn, that seems like a pretty good deal. And I found out it wasn't true, but it was it was already done. Like, it sparked my right. interest. And I'm like, whoa, well, can you, like, how much can you make? And then from there, game over. Yeah. That's beautiful. So once you go from that big stock investment to having some money to invest in a property, what was the first property you got and why? 773 Bridge Ave. You know Bridge Ave? Do you guys, you guys no. know Bridge Ave? I don't know Bridge Ave. Bridge Ave, you're so blessed. Okay. Yeah, it's student rental. So I wanted to keep student housing. Uh, I bought this December 2018. So I was still still in Waterloo, my last year of school. Um, it was just a terrible house. But pretty much what I told my parents to, I'm like, the only way I can lose money is this thing, this thing falls over, right? Like I bought it for 160K back then. That shit was possible. Wow. Um, 160K and it rented for 2700 a month, right? So I'm like, damn, there's got to be a lot of problems for me to lose money on that, right? And then from there... Compad to another one. Then I just built one recently. Now I'm building a 39-bedroom, uh, 37-bathroom development uh, on Randolph Place. So it's crazy how nice. quick, Good for it, you. quick it compounds. But, yeah. That's crazy. So that what was the first kind of challenges you had with that rental property? How did you grow it? How did you? The hardest part was getting it rented out because, um, and I didn't really have that much money, right? So if it wasn't rented out, it's kind of a problem. Like now you're like, whatever, it's not rented out, it's one property, but. And you don't have another source of income that you can sustain while you're renting, right? <laughs> well, back then I actually had a pretty good job. Like I oh, was, okay. uh, yeah, I was like a director of sales for like a condo developer in, in Waterloo. Just, I worked my way up while I was working there. But, uh, so I had some cap, but like, you know, when you're younger, you're spending a lot that you make into, right? And I had most of it investments, but the hardest part was renting it out because I closed on it December. And I had to do renovations to like the second week of December. Wow. And then I thought that I'd rent it for January. 
And like, it was pretty tricky to rent that thing out. So that was pretty scary. Cause I was like, if I don't rent this out, I'm going to have to sell this thing. But uh, yeah, it ended up it worked out. out very last minute though. Very last minute. That's crazy. So yeah. I guess when did you want to go into the real estate and, and student housing business? Cause I've been monitoring like the trend of houses here. I remember when I was in engineering, like five years ago, I had some money aside and I don't know, for me, I just didn't want to buy a house here. That was not really something I thought about. But looking at the prices five years ago or even, you know, even less than that. And today, I don't understand how we go from, you know, a house in the villages going for, yeah. if you know where that is, villages. It's like it's not the nicest area of town or it used to be a kind of a shitty area. You could buy houses there for like 70, 80K. Now they're like four, five, six hundred. Yeah, man. That's how do we crazy. get from there? I don't understand what transpired. Well, you have a ton of inflation, right? So right. asset inflation all across any asset class. So equities, uh, a lot of private equity, you have um, real estate market, everything's pretty much going crazy, right? Some of that's from inflation. So much like when you have a currency that's inflating this much, let's say seven and a half points per year, people do not want to hold cash. Right. So you need to put it somewhere else. What happens is when you have stocks that are trading at, I think the average PE multiple in the stock market is like 30 price to earnings, which means for every... $30 you spend on a stock, you get $1 of earnings. It's not okay, a very good deal. I, I okay? gotcha. So that's so, like three, three and a half percent dividend, let's say? Right. It's t- terrible returns, yeah. right? And that's just earnings. That's not a dividend. That's oh, the earning okay, of the okay, company. Gotcha. And that's the stock market as a whole. Okay. So then people say, okay, that's not going to work. So where else do we go? So we go to private equity. Well, private equity is fairly risky. What else can we do? Real estate. The coins go towards real estate. I think it's important to understand that all assets comp- compete for money. And when returns for other ones go lower, then you start investing in other places, right? And you see that with Bitcoin and stuff like that. That's going crazy now, like Pokemon cards. All right, shit, yeah. Right? Um, so part of it's that. Another part of it is that we do have a huge housing supply shortage. Like, I mean, it's a legitimate problem. Sure. Like, Canada is just bringing people in like crazy through immigration. We're just not building houses fast enough. Right. So it's kind of the perfect storm between those. Um, and then now once speculators get a hold of it, right? Like, when things go up 40% per year, you're going to have people that are like, well... I want to make 40% per year, right? right? And they're buying things not knowing anything, and then that boosts it um, until it stops, and then it reverses, right? It goes just as fast the other way. Right, so everyone's going on the same boat, and it's getting a little a little full. It's getting crazy. Yeah. What about uh, foreign investments and people buying from the outside? Do we know, like, actual statistics for that kind of stuff? Well, I don't know the exact number, but I know it's very small. It's so, very small. Yeah, so the new regulator, probably that's what I'm saying, yeah, what yeah. you're talking to. I think that's more um, an image for politics. To show that we're doing something, right, for the Liberal Party. Hey, you know, we're doing things to combat it. Will that change anything? No. Really? I Honestly, not. that's the narrative I thought Everybody as well. thinks it is. Everybody thinks that it's foreign buyers that are doing it. If you look at the percentage of foreign buyers um, in any market, even like a Toronto and Vancouver, if you look at it in Windsor, like, come on. I mean, really, it's minuscule. Like, I would be hard-pressed to think that it's above 5%. There's no way that Well, who, who has that information? Well, you could probably find you it. You find it, yeah. yeah. You could probably find it. Yeah, you could probably find those stats. Yeah, I remember reading them once. I don't remember the exact stat, but it was very low, and that was even in Toronto. So I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. Plus, um, people that are students, immigrant students, for example, they can still buy properties. Oh, they can. Which is a okay, big yeah. bulk of the foreign buyers. That makes sense. Um, and then also refugees can buy it as well. So, I mean, will it make a big difference? Probably not. That's not enough to do anything. I think that's more of a political, like, hey, we're doing things to... Right. Yeah. I mean, also, it's funny that they're implementing these rules now because, like, bro, it's too late. Like, <laughs> like well, what? But, yeah, for re-election, right? You need to yeah, show Oh, sure, that. sure, sure. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, from an actual, like, if they were, which is this what Pollux 101 is, but, like, they were actually trying to make a change, this should have happened, like, a long time ago. Like, well, I mean, the promise of... Uh, of Trudeau was the housing, right? Like back that was then, like, it was fit, like 10 years ago, almost like, and what happened? Nothing really, <laughs> right? So, I mean, a lot of it's politics. Yeah. You got to understand it from there. It, it yeah. I get it. Right. 
so what do you, I mean, you get this probably a lot. The trend is it's still been going up, but like the yeah. interest rates are rising. Man, I the most impossible YouTube, question, right? Yeah. Well, I posted a YouTube video. It's got like 27,000 views on it. Cause it's very like not popular, but I think the market's going down. You know, that's my, my opinion on it. And if you read through the comments, I've never been roasted so hard in my life since like the last like family, family occasion, you know what I mean? Right, like right. I just getting roasted on it. But yeah, I, I have an unpopular opinion. I think that the, the market has to correct. Right. How much correct? Well, it'd be a big correction, right? Because what, what I always look at is affordability. So at the end of the day, these houses need to be purchased by people to live in. Uh, and when you have people that make an average income of $50,000 and the average or like price of a like 60 for a family, right? It's not, it's very low, Exactly, right? yeah. And then you have the average price of a home is eight fifty, right? Right. I mean, that doesn't make sense. So who's going to buy that, right? So unless you're going to go into a renter's nation, which maybe that's what will happen, um, that's the only alternative, then you're going to need to have a price correction. Then it's also important to look at the economic of things uh like we're at the end of the long-term debt cycle right like we are such an indebted nation like if you look at america right now for example they're so broke it's ridiculous right, right. um so that's kind of we weren't too bad before going. the COVID. Thing. sorry to interrupt you we weren't too bad right before COVID. we really borrowed a lot these last two years well we still weren't great but now it's terrible now it's horrendous yeah, right? yeah. now it's horrendous okay. yeah well, we still weren't great i mean t- realistically if you look at it and i know this will never happen probably right. in my lifetime but you should not even really be running a deficit i mean well, most certainly not to the extent that we've gotten into or that some of the mm. giant superpowers have gotten into. Yeah. They well, just burn cash. Well, the Freeland girl had an announcement today where, like, she's, like, bragging about it that we're only going to run, like, a $56 billion deficit. <laughs> I'm just like... Yeah, sure, bro. All right. You know, only I'm 56. Like, this is not looking good at this point. Yeah. So we're reaching a point where houses are unaffordable to the average Canadian. Yeah, definitely. And then they have to come down... Because interest rates are probably going to go up. So what does that mean for people that have just bought houses for really, you know, are, there, are a lot of people going to lose homes? They're going to be able to, you know, not afford rent. I don't think that they'll lose homes. Mortgage. I think that it's important to fix, and this is, again, an uh, unpopular opinion, I'm going to say, but to fix, right. fix your debt, right? Like if you can go in with a fixed mortgage rate, you're probably going to be fine because you've banked in the payments that you need to make, right? So if you've done a fixed interest rate and you know your payments are 3000 per month, your payments are 3000 per month. Okay, so if interest rates go to 10% and your payments are still 3000 per month, they're fixed. Probably did a five-year fixed term. So you have five years. You'll take down, if you look at um, a 25-year amortization is the average mortgage. Yeah. So over 25 years, you pay. that means every year you pay about 4% of your principal off, right? So five times 4%, 20%, that means you've paid off 20% of the property by the end of the five years. So if there's a dip of 20%, you're still kind of right, right even right. if you fixed it, right? So that's the safety of doing a fix. Well, a lot of people foreclose... If it, if it becomes as bad as, like, a 30-plus percent correction, then, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of people will foreclose right. on their homes. But if they can moderate it to keep within, you know, 15, 20 points uh, and then have a steady steady pace from there, I think I think for the most part it'll be fine. Most people will be fine. There'll be a lot of investors that will go out. Who cares about the investors? <laughs> right, right, right. At the end of the day, right? right. I mean, they'll live and learn. But for the people, you don't want to see people sure. like, that own their house. You don't see a potential for, uh, you know, America housing crisis like we had in the past well, it's that a totally was different. different game. Yeah, that was on credit, yeah. right? They were taking more. It was money. credit related. Yeah. Like Canada is actually very tight on credit. Like it's not yeah. that easy to get loans. Like it's not. Yeah, I, it's not. And right. the stress tests are pretty high and stuff. So I don't feel uh, concerned about that. But when people buy five percent down, you put the CMHC insurance premium on it. You're pretty much a hundred percent levered on this thing, right, right? right? Which means like the debt is a hundred percent of of what the assets worth, the house is worth. Right. It's scary when you play with those numbers, right? But. Overall, I have no idea what will happen. (laughs) You're just in this like we all are. Yeah, I'm just in this like we all are, right? Right. Like even the best of the best, which I am not even close to, uh, they don't know what's going to happen. You can have your best opinions, but... 
So okay, let's let's throw some hypotheticals for people out there because I know a lot of friends are in their early early mid late twenties, let's say, and they're yeah, yeah. sitting on some cash, still living at home, waiting for the opportunity to buy. Yeah. yeah so what do you, what's the I guess number one thing you would say to them, or some advice for them? The advice would be, okay, look, if you're going to buy like a home that you plan on living for a long ter- long time, like 10, 15 years or so, then go ahead and buy it. Because by 10, 15 years, even if it does crash, things will probably come back reasonably. Like if not 100%, you'll be 80, 90% of yeah. what it was worth before. So go for it. You know, at that point, you want to build a family, you want to have the house, that's fine. If you're planning on like, well, I just want a house to live in and stuff, why not rent? Okay, like... I personally, like, without any partners, I own, like, $5 million worth of real estate. I still rent where I live. Personally. Right. Like, to me, it just doesn't make sense to take that risk just for a place to live I gotcha. when I could just rent, right? And another thing that's important is you have to look at what does this asset cost me to, to live in, right? Right. And, and what would it cost me if I just rented it? So if the mortgage and all the all the payments are 2500 per month, but you can rent it for 1800 per month, well, like, why why do you need to own it, right, at that point right. when it's cheaper to just rent it, right? Well, I, I have a, that's a perfect uh, transition because, like, my parents have an apartment that they got 10, 15 years ago, and mm-hmm. the rent hasn't gone up that much. Mm-hmm. So imagine it was a, a three-bedroom, third-story, nice apartment, and they're paying, like, less than some people are paying for condo fees. So it's like, yeah. for them, what is the point in that, in this stage in their life to... For them, they should absolutely not. Right, there's no that. point. Absolutely, yeah. It is an interesting time. Um, you're also doing the YouTube stuff. Um, yep. You look pretty good in front of camera. You're natural. Thank you. Thank You've you. been doing YouTube before? No, just uh, just this. Yeah. You got an editor? I do, actually. You do have an editor? I'm like, yeah. there's no way this guy's doing this kind of no, shit. No, my college friend. Godzi, <laughs> if you're watching, I love that guy. Because yeah. he's, he's, like, he's got the cues. He's no one to look. And like, I'm like, this guy is fucking, he must well, have so a third channel or something. I'm a one-take one guy. I'm a, fuck it, let's do a live really? guy. I don't do any takes, and I like usually don't script it either. So what I'll do, like, and like I don't really like shooting YouTube videos, I'll be honest. Really? I'll, I'll pick a topic. In the morning, I'll look at it and be like, all right, should you buy or should you rent? And then I'll just sit in the camera and be like, all right. And I'll just press record and then finish and send and he does everything. Yeah. And I'll click and I'll be like, Dodge, just make it work. That's that's, that's how I work. I'm a one shot guy and it just, it is what it is. I feel like it comes off better that way too. Yeah. yeah. Scripted. It's too like robotic and stuff. So no, it's a perfect channel. It's a perfect niche. It's housing in Windsor. Like I don't know how many people in Windsor have dedicated YouTube channels to explain, you know, things to people. And that also builds your trustworthiness and makes you like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's trying to help out. I mean, you're not making any you're losing money realistically from hiring an editor and yeah i pay him like i don't know what i what i pay like 800 a month or holy something shit yeah so like he's a great friend of mine too so, yeah, yeah yeah but i'm saying like that's not a thing that you expect to make a great return on compared to literally no. what you could do with that money in, in your space so it's really about building the brand right yeah and like so what i want to do uh now as i get more and more into the developments i kind of want to switch it over to vlog style mm-hmm. because like man growing up i wanted to be rich so bad like my number one desire, like when I was eight years old, I want to be rich. Like mm-hmm. this has always been what I wanted, but you can't find any, like a lot of people that are wealthy don't let you in their lifestyle, right? Mm. Like you can't really see their day to day. And like now it's getting a little bit more like with social media and stuff, but like growing up stuff, I could never find people that would show and like show the truth mm-hmm. of it and stuff. So I'm like, that'd just be a cool way to give back, right? Like all these young hustlers that want to see yeah. what it's like. And like when you get there and to motivate them and stuff. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Show, show them what it's like. I like the stra- I think for now, you should just keep making those like explainer videos and yeah. going into those are great. Those are the most boring though to make. You know? all right. Well, they are most boring, <laughs> but like, dude, that's that's how you're gonna grow a following from nothing. Like, you can't you're, you can't post a vlog and you know expect people. Yeah. To, they're never gonna find it realistically. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so I don't know. Um, I had some questions from people that I make wanted to make sure to Let's ask you. Blind bidding. Why is that a thing? That literally what my friend wrote. Blind yeah, I'm bids. actually I'm actually with him on that. I don't like blind bidding. I think it's a yeah. terrible thing. Yeah. Well, was so that ever good? Like, was that 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 makes sense in a different time frame 
time period? For the seller, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, so I've been like a listing agent for a lot of properties and you'll have one guy you feel almost bad for. Like he's going to come in at like... Yeah, maybe explain what blind bidding is before. Okay, so blind bidding pretty much is you'll have a property on the market, let's say 168 Elm Street, okay? And you'll list it at 299 or whatever it is and you'll hold offers for Saturday. So on Saturday, come Saturday, 6 p.m., everybody has to write their offers. And the only thing that I need to share as a listing agent is how many offers are on the table. Wow. I can't tell anybody what the offers are. And people are competitive by nature, right? So here, oh, there's eight offers. They'll throw in whatever offer and we'll take the highest and best. So what I see a lot as a listing agent, and I see it frequently, is the second best offer will be like 500 and the best one will be like 625. And like that guy just paid 125K more. Wow, yeah. For absolutely no reason, right? And then that also is now driving the market even higher, right? Driving the market. Because you have to think, you're like, oh, I have to overbid by 100K just to even have a chance. People have no idea. And another thing I see a lot is a lot of properties that are purchased are from Toronto investors, which is fine. But what I see is they're represented by Toronto realtors, which is a big problem because they don't have access to our sold listings. They don't know what these properties are worth. They can't right. see what they've sold for. They have as much information as you do. Really? Right? Okay. So a lot of times they'll call me and be like, Marco, be beyond, like, what is this thing worth? Right. And I have, you know, I have to represent my seller. So right. if we want 450, well, it's worth, you know, 500, 550, you know, look at the comps is what I'll say, right? So now they're coming in off based off of that. They're going to throw in these Yahoo prices, right? That's why you'll see a lot of things sell. For a price that just absolutely makes no sense. Right. The, what's the average now? It's like 40, 40, 50, 100K almost over ask? Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of irrelevant what it goes over ask right. because it really comes down to what the listing agent lists it for, right? Like if it's a $500,000 property and I list it for one ninety nine, it's not going to sell for three hundred just because I list it for one ninety nine. Right. It's still a $500,000 property. I right? got you. So it's, it's arbitrary. But blind bidding pretty much is that. You don't get to see what the bidding price is, right? So taking out blind bidding, I think, would be an amazing thing. Um, a lot of people are against it because they say it'll be more competitive. I think that's ridiculous. I think blind the only sellers would be actually care that that would be taken out. It'd right? be disadvantageous for sellers. However, in the last month, the market slowed down completely. Like the market's pretty cold right now. Like some properties don't even get multiple offers. Really, some stay for weeks and weeks and weeks on the market. Right. So now I don't think it's going to matter as much. Is that because sorry, I interrupt you? Is that because of hesitancy because people are like obviously worried about the prices and don't want to like they're thinking it's too high, or it's because like we're starting to reach a supply and demand. It has nothing to do with supply and demand. It has to do with um, the government's attempt to slow down the market, right? And, like, the the central bank, too, right? Like, when you raise interest rates that much, things are going to change. Things are more expensive than they used to be, right. right? Especially when you get into more expensive property. So what happens is when you push the average price of a home to close to a million dollars, and now you raise the interest rate by a point or two points, like, that's a big difference on, on the monthly mortgage payment. Sure. And when they understand that, you know, the, the interest rates are going to be increasing for, for a little bit of time here, um, that's what's going to happen. You're going to slow down the real estate market. People underestimate how important interest rates are. Interest rates for anybody listening is like gravity for any investment class. Okay. Because interest rate is your risk-free return. Because right, I could right. just loan the money to the government of the states and get that interest rate back. Right. So if the interest rate goes up, I need a bigger return from the asset in order to, to make right, it for the risk. Right. Yep. So it's a huge deal. So if interest rates keep going up, the real estate market will come down. There is no question about it. That's fascinating. So who would control blind bidding going away or not going away? How, how does that work? Well, it's probably a government government of Canada Cover, yeah. decision at that point, right? Yeah. Is that something they're thinking about? They are. Yeah, yeah, they are thinking about it. Yeah, a lot of people just don't think that it's going to make a difference. Uh, and it's not going to make a colossal difference, but I think it will. It's going to prevent people from having buyer's remorse. There's nothing sadder to see... Yes. Then someone pay five fifty, and it's almost good that they don't know that the next best person was four fifty. Right. But just seeing that happen, you almost feel bad for for the person. Right. right. 
So it, it prevent that. So the, without blind bidding, it would basically be you would be able to see what the highest bid is. How without work? Without? Correct. Yeah, you'd yeah. be able to see. So you they would be like, hey, look, we have an offer. It would kind of be like uh you know those fast talking guys at the put yeah. your hand up. Ah, oh, four fifty, four fifty. Oh, 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 right. oh six hundred. Yeah. Sold. Yeah. 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 Be more like that stuff. <laughs> That's fun. I want to go to those for a house. But always, always, always drop out. Of the yeah, always drop. Right? Just raise it so someone has I'm to pay more and get. I'm just here for a good time. Yeah. I'm just here for a good time. <laughs> I just brought some drinks. I'm I see this guy every time. Never buys anything. You know? <laughs> he just pisses <laughs> off everyone. Just every time. Um, I saw in one of your videos. I see some books. I saw Intelligent Investor. Yep. I'm wondering if you also read um, The Sovereign Individual. I haven't actually. No. Okay. So I'm, this is a bigger topic and a bigger discussion. In the future, where we're moving right now, you know. I look at places around the world because I'm not looking to stay here. I'm, I'm looking at property other places I'm trying to move to. Mm-hmm. Spaces, uh, places like Spain, Greece, Portugal that are grossly undervalued because mm-hmm. their economies are struggling or, you know, tourism has absolutely destroyed Spain, let's say, for the last two years, COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm starting to see a pattern of, like, man, this is, this is the investment. This is the place. If you can live there with a remote job, mm-hmm. this is the move. So... As more jobs go remote, um, as the baby boomers start dying out, um, all these different factors, do you think more and more people are going to be inclined to get out of Canada and, and live somewhere else? Well, I think actually there was a stat that this year had the biggest net em- emigration. People oh, really? Yeah. Canada. Yeah, because of the way that uh, the pandemic was handled. Um, so that's already happened in a certain way, right? And so you're going to push people out when housing becomes that unaffordable. People will right. go the other ways. and. To answer your question, man, I don't know because it's such a new time that we live in. Like the fact that someone can work remotely, like you were telling me earlier, you got a, you have a degree in engineering and yes. you're just like working from your laptop in your bed, like doing. And I'm probably going to be eventually, well, hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be making more than I did as an engineer. Like that doesn't yeah. exist, dude, like 10 years ago, right? So, I mean, it's a whole new world that we live in. So you can only predict things. I will say that Spain in particular, when you said that, you have massive institutional investors right. investing a lot of money in, uh, in, in Spain in, in the real estate market. What I will say is this, become an expert in one market, whether it's in Spain, China, yes. doesn't matter where. Make sure that the economics are right on it. The fundamentals are right. Become an expert in that market, though. You don't know enough, like anyone, individual, does not know enough to be dancing around Spain, Taiwan, sure, yeah. all these. It's impossible. Institutions that have thousands of employees of Harvard, Harvard graduates can do it because they have the research base. Um, but for us, regular people, it's way better to just focus in on something that you know and, and, and stick with that one, one niche market. For now, once you build it, expand, right. whatever. But Because I know amongst, and I, you were talking about the immigration thing. I also have a friend in, who told me about Serbia this year. Mm-hmm. They don't really keep track of people coming back. To be like, It's because it's usually minimal numbers. But he was telling me somewhere around 75,000 people came in and moved back home. From Canada, back to Serbia. Not just from Canada, from like worldwide. Wow. Like people that at one point immigrated, wars, whatever, economic situation, yeah. and have now come back and are living in Serbia. Because... Why wouldn't you? Like, let's just talk about it realistically. Mm-hmm. The house of affordability is like tenfold, ten, tenfold, ten times less. Yeah, you're talking about a lower cost of living, similar costs uh, for like you know medical stuff. Actually, I would argue that you have better stuff there. They actually a have bit. a great medical. If system. If you have actually. a bit of money there, they have private healthcare, which is a lot better than you know they, the healthcare they have a great, here. They have a great healthcare. You can system go to a, get a dental procedure done for like three hundred euros, where here would be like three, four grand. Yeah. So like, and I'm also looking at other things like climate you know quality of social life you know these are things that canada is missing because the young nation doesn't really have dude the climate sucks it's you're you're living in it's Arctic terrible circle for six i don't months even want it so man i was thinking about it today because i'm like we're in april now 
Okay. Yeah. I'm like, we're still in winter. Kind you of. have four months of the year <laughs> yeah. where you can go outside and not be like, fuck, fuck, fuck. As soon as you walk outside. Right. Four months out of 12. This is a side. Dude, I'm a like, broken man. record. I'm going to get you to move to Spain. with like, it's going to happen. Dude, I hate the, I hate the weather. <laughs> this guy's, like, he's already so like, Seek's already heard me talk about this so much. He's disgusting. Like he's annoyed. Dude, every I, person. <laughs> every I, person. At least someone's listening to me. I just talk about it to myself because nobody wants to hear it. Right. It's the worst. Dude, it's the worst. So I went to Vancouver like three weeks ago, which is like Canada's nicest. Yes. Weather. The weather sucks there. Right. Like, this isn't good weather. Like this is our best. It's not a good luck. You know, that's not good that this is our best weather. So I agree with you that the climate sucks. Actually, um, my parent, my dad and my brother are going to Serbia on Saturday, this Saturday. For like vacation? Yeah, like a little sure. family stuff they're doing. So I was uh, looking at Airbnbs and stuff and I saw the price and I'm like. Yeah, buddy. It's like $30 a day. Yeah, buddy. So here's, this is why I'm trying to like get to this. Like I wrote down a bunch of things that would absolutely destroy, let's say housing market. Maybe not destroy it, but yeah. at least give you something to think about. Yeah. Baby boomers getting older. So they either die off tragically because, you know, both our parents, but that's mm-hmm. life. Or they decide to go back home, which is a very logical thing to do if you have a property that you bought here 20 years ago for 50K and that was a million. Mm-hmm. You take that money, you're living like a king till you retire. So that's a massive group of people. So that's one part of this thing. So then we're talking about the reason to live here with like, you know, not enjoying, let's say, social life or bad weather. If you have a remote terrible job, weather. terrible weather, it's four months of the year. It's un- I tell Has he people- told you yet about the weather here? Has he, has he brought that up previously? <laughs> Dude, I've complained about weather every single day I've lived here. Oh, you can see here. by the shirt. You're ready to get here. I'm not even, <laughs> mentally, I'm in tropical. Spain, guys. I'm not here. Hey, like, mentally, I'm not here. Physically, I'm here with you in the studio. Mentally, man, I'm, I'm in you. Spain. I'm with you, man. So as more jobs go online, you know, you have 50K a year. Let's say you make 60, 70. Yeah. You can take that and live very comfortably in a lot of places that are very nice to live in. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things that are going on. I'm, I'm curious because this is what the book Sovereign Individual talks about. The big thing there is that once more people are free to move wherever they want, once work becomes more remote, nations have to start competing with each other to keep you there. Mm-hmm. So how can they do that? Affordability, taxes, you know, quality of life, um, mo- probably lowering taxes essentially to keep you there. Because if I can live here and, you know, if I pay 40% here and I go somewhere like Andorra and I pay 10% income mm-hmm. and I make 100 or 200K, what on God's green earth is going to keep me to pay that stupid rate here yeah. if I can easily get a visa? Which, So this is the big trend in Europe. A lot of countries are opening up freelance visas. Uh, so I don't know if you know, Malta, Spain, Portugal have all started creating super easy, like you can pick it up online visas. Mm-hmm. They're going to be releasing, releasing the next couple of years. So I, don't know, I see a massive trend happening that I feel like no one's talking about. But amongst my friend group, I'm like, hey guys, look out, like have a backup plan because I think there's a better move here. Like, I don't think you have to necessarily go down this route of waiting for a housing drop or whatever. Like, there's a better opportunity waiting elsewhere. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you consider any of that kind of stuff. When I see where you're coming from. But when you look at the immigration numbers compared to what emigration might be, what people leaving, I think it's going to be a problem. I think that uh, we're already such a big housing shortage that even if you have some people leave, it's going to be a fraction of the people that are coming in. Like, you have to understand, man. There's a lot of places in the world that suck. And of like course. Canada, Horrendous, yeah. Yeah, and Canada, Canada's pretty fantastic, right? And you have one of the biggest booming populations, which is going to be India, which will, India will maybe replace a China after our lifetime, maybe in a century yeah. or so. I think India could do that as a superpower. But in the meantime, it's very not enjoyable to live in India. So if you have the, the, the possibility to come to Canada and live there, I think that's huge. I think that Canada, as an international student, because I'm so close to the student housing market, yes. I know this, 
it used to be the UK, it used to be US, UK, and then Canada, number three. So Canada's now passed US as one of the most desirable places for international students to come in. Really? And when you actually start talking to the international students, one of the main reasons they come here is to get the permanent residency. It's the easiest way to permanent residency in Canada, and they don't have any intentions on going home, right? So... Wasn't it before, though, really hard to get a permanent resident status here in Canada? In Canada, it was. It used to be. Yeah. yeah. U.S., it's especially under the Trump the, the, yeah. the Trump administration, it was like, it was really tricky. Canada's pretty easy relative to the main countries, right? So I think with that, you know, the quality of education we have, the quality of life, like the weather does suck, but like that's like one thing out of, out of many things. And that's also, let's keep in mind that some mm-hmm. people actually like the cold, as weird as that is. I don't I- believe it. I know it's crazy. I don't. I, I don't want to believe it either. But I had people. You know what people always say that piss that pisses me off? Like you just don't dress properly. It's like sorry, I only spend thirty minutes before I leave my house. Why do I want to right, live right, somewhere right. where if the technology of clothes didn't exist, I would die ninety percent of the year. If I don't heat that car up before, if I don't I'm have dead. that, like yeah, you're not dead. gonna make it. No more real estate for anybody. Dead. So yeah, I'm with you, man. Trust me, I'm right there with you. I hate it's it. It's it's funny because like I've traveled a lot, and you know, there's people from these like really warm places that tell me, oh my god, Canada must be amazing, snow and all this. I'm like, you die out here. You I bury you in the fucking snow. Snow is nice to look at. You know when you look outside, ah, oh, yeah, so nice. That's good. I'm good from there. That's a good first day. And now we have Google. You Google image it. You know you can see it from so many places. Day two, when snow turns into slush, you're like, oh yeah. fuck, this is the Man, worst. Man, I'm one of those people though. Like even like uh, seeing sights and stuff doesn't do it for me. Like when I was in Vancouver, we were looking at the mountains, and I'm like, man, like. Yeah, I mean, I could have Google map, like I could have looked at this on Google, to be honest, and saved me like a six hour flight both ways. So I'm one of those guys. (laughs) Not everyone's like that, right? Not everyone's like that. But, but yeah. I'm like, I'm really curious to see like immigration. Yeah. Where, where's our biggest, I guess, immigration coming from? Which countries do you know? That's a good question. I'd say it's got to be India. India has got to be up there. So I know for students, it used to be China big time. And I look at the stats for Windsor, at least India is just like up 300% year Whoa. over year in terms of, and if you like walk around, I mean, you notice, right? There's yeah. a lot of uh, students from India, right? right? So that's a huge, huge one is international students from India. Hmm. So net immigration, I'm not sure, but I'd imagine it'd be India. I mean, really it can be two populations. It has to be either China or India, the right. biggest populations. I'm saying, does it matter who's immigrating? Like, do we need people that are coming in with cash to immigrate? That's what we do. Canada's really yeah. like that. Yeah, they'll set like a certain percentage for like refugees and whatnot. Right. But the bulk of it is, yeah, you have either money or you're educated. Engineers, doctors, whatever we need in the country, we bring in. Fascinating. Because we don't make enough people, right, in the country. Yeah, yeah, Well, a lot of countries are having I, I think that's going to be one of the biggest problems. Biggest, that yeah, that's what I think faces. too. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me make sure I got everything. I had a bunch of other people ask questions, but I think we might have answered a, a bunch of them. So I guess, what are you currently in most invested in? What are you most excited about going forward? Uh, this development that I'm doing now, for sure. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. I just got the building permit last week. I am very, very pumped Do up for you know this. What, like, can you tell us? Or? Yeah, so it's uh, 39 bedrooms, 37 bathrooms. Oh, yeah, you told me. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so far the largest purpose-built student housing development in Windsor. Uh, so I'm really excited about that one. It'll be done for January. Uh, and then after that, I want to have a little bit of a bigger one coming up the year after. So that's What's where, the big appeal for student housing? Why do you like that so much? It seems like I, that's your... I love it because that's the business I learned inside and out. Like I right. spent my whole time in Waterloo learning the student housing business. So I feel like I have a competitive advantage in it. Another thing I love about it is, especially when inflation is going crazy. Like when you look at, for example, you're saying with your parents, they're probably paying like 900 a month, yeah, I'm assuming, because yeah. you said condo fees. Yep. So they're paying 900 a month. That sucks for the landlord because he probably could have gotten 1800 sure. per month on that. So the cool thing with students is they turn over every yes, year, right. right? So as it, things inflate and things get more expensive, I can just every year adjust those prices, which is fantastic. 
Um, and I also find that the quality of the tenant is larger because I get mom and dad to co-sign on everything. And mom and dad are usually pretty affluent people to be paying for their students to be living in college. Right. You would never get that quality of tenant. That's what I was going to say. Is there a downside to that as well? Because students are so, you know. Sometimes, sure. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you'll get, you know, kids that party and stuff. Like when I was in college, I was one of those tenants. Probably like <laughs> right. we had a hole in the wall every single year. <laughs> but we always patched it up. We always patched it up. They still haven't found him. That's all yeah, that matters. I never found him. A little bit of paint, you know, paint matchup. But you're going to have those sometimes. Yeah. But it's the cost of doing business. But you're also getting like, you know, let's say, for example, you get $700 per room, right? And you have a sure. six-bedroom house. When I heard you say that in one of your videos, yeah, I almost like choked on what it's was crazy. Eating. I was like, are you kidding me? It's just like a bedroom and like a student. I'm like, dude, this is yeah. insane. So the one that I'm building now on but it's Randolph, really nice. Yeah, yeah, the one I'm building now on Randolph is all private bathrooms. So every single student has a private bathroom. What I think is I'm actually filling a niche because students want the privacy. But now as prices continue to go up, like a one-bedroom apartment here is like 1500 per month. Right. So if I can provide you an ensuite room, which is as close to a one-bedroom in like a luxury house for 850 per month, like that's pretty great for you. Right, you right, get to right. save all that money and you still get your privacy, your own bathroom and stuff, right? It's kind of filling that, that little bit of a niche there. Well, it's all about finding niches, guys. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. Even on YouTube, on, on real estate, it's just find that niche. And any, even the smallest niche can be very profitable. Absolutely, man. So what's the long-term plan for you, you know, in real estate? And well, real estate is one business that I want to start. My longest plan, my long-term plan is I want to build the largest conglomerate in the world. That's like very much You're what I want to do. You're doing some Mr. Beast shit right now, but in that space, is that what you want? Mr. Beast is nuts, man. That guy's <laughs> insane. I tried his burger, though. It wasn't that good, man. <laughs> Mr. Beast, you know. Sorry, bro. No, can't do everything. Right? Burger wasn't that Because they just opened one up in Windsor. Did you know that? I didn't know that was an actual Beast, thing. Yeah, he owns his own burger chain. Mr. Beast is a genius. You need, like, if, you, if you know him no, surface I, level, dig into deep. No, I watched that podcast with, uh, he was on Joe Rogan. I thought, like, the business behind the burger was that they would let people make it, and you can order it almost anywhere. And they would prepare it for you with his ingredients. They obviously, you wouldn't know what they are. I don't know because it's a chain, so they have. They have one a actual physical building. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, Brick I got it off. Of, I got it off of Skip the Dishes. What? So oh, I don't know. okay. I've never yeah, seen it's it. probably. I mean, I feel like we would know. Well, it said a... it's on University though, so it's got to have a physical location. Other, maybe it's just some dude's house. I don't know. <laughs> some dudes <laughs> frying up fucking burgers to some tilapia, you know? <laughs> it's like, bro, you ordered you ordered a chip off fucking sandwich. <laughs> This guy's like, oh, there's like these little weird meat things, like they're like, like round, like you got some ivar and some onions on there, you know. <laughs> no, I thought the well, I know he has obviously brick and mortar places, but that's in some of the bigger cities. The actual business there was, I think, he would he had a Mr. B's burger, and he would mm -hmm. let you know any burger place make it. They would get a cut, and he would get a cut from like, or actually, he was barely making any from it. Yeah, I think it was just more like for brand awareness. But like, he know. would tell them how to make it, and then you you can say like, oh, we got the Mr. B's burger here. And then you ordered you, it. From we should you should look it up because I did order it when it first came. Dude, uh, this is gonna blow my mind. If, if Mr. Beast has infiltrated Windsor, it wasn't that good though. I that's not even the point. Like I don't even care if it's good. Like I'm just <laughs> well, I've got it to support because I, I think he's a great. I think he's a great businessman personally. Mr. Beast Burger Windsor Ontario, dude. Yeah. This is. I was actually dishes, searched. Mr. Beast Burger. I see one in Detroit. I see multiple in Detroit. Yeah, university. You got one right? on Uber. Nine nine two University. So we'll look up 992 University. 992 University. Uh, apologies for the dead air, but I mean, this is a oh, pretty oh, significant. Um, <laughs> this is a pretty big find. This is a pretty hey, big I find. I tried the burger. I tried it. <laughs> I had it. It was okay. Well, what uh, the I'm fuck? Pop on camera here while you Google that here, Nelly. So, <laughs> have you tried his chocolate bar? Chocolate bar? Apparently, no. he does chocolate bar. I tried his though. chocolate chip cookie, though. Dude, what terrible. does he not do? I don't what know, does man. he? I don't the know. man's literally he's like Logan Paul right now. It's kind of the same. Dude, thing, he's right? he 
Logan Paul, excuse me. Yeah, no, <laughs> take over. Sorry, man. just real quick. <laughs> I'm going to be looking at this. Logan Paul was at WrestleMania. Yeah, I saw that. He made his I debut at too. WrestleMania. Saw that. That's fucking I'm nuts actually, to me. I'm actually a big fan of the Paul brothers, personally. Really? I do like Go them. Go on that. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? I just think I think they're fucking awesome. They call, they talk their shit. They okay. call out everyone. They say what they're going to do, and they fucking do it. They like, fucking do it. Jake Paul says he's going to knock people out. People yeah. talk shit, and then he knocks people he out. Like, did it. He kind of did it. Here's the thing with, what are you here's the, thing with the Paul brothers, right? I don't understand. Here's the thing with the Paul brothers. For me, personally, I mean, I knew Logan through uh, Vine a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I knew Logan through, like, a friend. Like, he's not that cool. No, I knew him through Vine, but for me, I wasn't too big on, like, his content. Yeah. Same thing with Jake. Jake was I don't a like kid the content at the time. either. Yeah. But then when they started getting to the whole boxing thing and all that stuff, obviously during the pandemic, I got more into fight sports. And I started getting into boxing and all that shit. I was like, holy, these guys are actually smart as fuck. And for as young as they are, this, as the brains that these two have in terms of business is yep. next level. Man, it always makes you think, and, and I hope that people understand too, whenever someone gets to that level of success, it's not by accident. Not at all. It's not by accident. Because no. you always look at these people, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, probably Mr. Beast and shit. People always say he got lucky, right? But it's almost never that. It's almost never that. The earlier people understand that, the quicker they'll get to success. I would say there's a bit of luck. I mean, there's a bit of luck in anything. Anything. You do. Dude, yeah. think about but, it. You're, you're living in Canada. Yeah. The amount of luck that you're living in Canada, in yeah, North America, is through the roof, dude. Yeah. So how deep do you want to get on luck, right? But yeah. overall, I mean, that's that's hard work yeah. is determination, it's vision, and skill, right? Absolutely. No, the pop balls are f- I, I fuck with them. But, uh, yeah. I, I want to say... <laughs> Avenue. I still don't understand what this means because it's not it's not a thing. Like I know it's that's not a physical place. I think this are is you place sure? Did you look it up I, on Google Maps? Uh, Google Maps won't have it updated unless this thing was. Like, it was Maps recent. Like, no, it was recent. Because as soon as it happened, I bought the burger. Yeah. We'll figure it out after the pod. We'll Let's hang you back in. Yeah, thank you, sir. All right. I still want to talk shit about Jake Paul. So I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to get in the ring with. Not trying to catch those hands, man. Oh my god. I'd maybe catch Logan's hands, but not Jake Paul. Did, did we did we talk about any anything else real estate? Uh, I had a friend who, who asked, "What is the market going to crash?" So I'm going to so I can buy up all the property. Is that an answer you can uh, you can get us? I have no idea, man. <laughs> if I knew, dude, I would be so rich, so rich. Uh, changing trends, like we all t- we talked about all this kind of stuff. I don't know, like what are you what do you talk about most with with clients and with the euro stuff? Like what do you? It's the number one thing people asking you. The the numbers, man. It's the fundamentals of it. Like helping people understand how to analyze a property and seeing if it actually works, if it's a good investment or not. Uh, that's the number one thing. It's not really as much about will shit crash, will it not crash? Because at the end of the day, we don't really know, right? But here's the deal: if you buy something, it's an income producing asset right now, and it's cash flow positive, which means pays you more than it costs you each month. That's a good thing to have, especially if it's a high percentage relative to what right. you spend to get it, right? So those are the important things is learning how to analyze properties and you can learn how to analyze businesses as well. Um, that's the most important thing. That's pretty much any investment at that point. Like if you can if you can start and I think most investments, you'll probably start off and you won't either make good money, you might even lose money, but at the end of the day, you're learning. I think yeah. even the first couple of stocks I bought, like they weren't nothing special. Maybe I made a couple hundred bucks, but I'm like, oh, it's this easy to buy stocks? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like I could have been doing this for like years. So yeah, just take that risk, and, and without that risk, it's the much bigger risk is your money just going away to inflation. Right? Especially when you're young, take the risk because like going all in is like a thousand dollars. Right. And I know at the time it seems like I don't know how old your audience is, maybe if, if they're younger, I have no like idea late teens and stuff. <laughs> Dude, it has YouTube stats. Right. You don't know how to look at YouTube stats? Yeah, they're all over the place. I was looking at it before it adjusted, and my stats. It, this was not real stats. I just want to make this clear. Yeah. It said a hundred percent men. Oh, it, that's one hundred percent men. You're right. Mine's also a lot of dudes. Not anymore. It's good. now that the stat now that I have enough views and stuff that it's adjusted. Now it's adjusted. But the first 99. time, like, is there not a single female? <laughs> yeah. 
Not one girl that's watching my content, but it's not true. There that's are. That's you were doing it for? They're all girls. <laughs> nah, it's not what I'm doing Man's it for. He's doing well. You know, he doesn't need YouTube analytics to, you know, get girls. You know, but you just want it. I'm you like, just want it. Yeah, you want a little diversity. Like, so my mom's been lying to me. My mom's not watching. <laughs> right? So now there's more questions that come with this, <laughs> right? Your brother's account, bro. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> that's what she'll say. Those YouTube analytics are just spooky because you never know who's actually behind that account. Like, that's I true. I mean. And the people that chirp you are always like most username 996 yes. or whatever and they just light you up sometimes it's I funny i saw you going lie. at some dude in the comments dude i love it i <laughs> love it man this one time i told this guy like he has like my picture above his bed like i've said all sorts of things i remember things, that was man. great yeah sometimes i go down those rabbit holes I'm like he's really going at it. this is fun like dude I just, it's, hol- it's hilarious so like being serbian i feel like you're probably like that like i come from a shit talking household so it's yeah, like I'll go to war with you in the comments for no reason, dude. Like in my household, <laughs> you like in my household, you will get lit up. Yeah. But it's it's fun. Like it's funny when someone lights you up, and it's the same thing. So when someone lights me up, my comment like I'll laugh, but then I'll light you up. Of back. course, I'm yeah. war. I feel like I'm war ready. You yeah, know what I'm always. Just from that background, I feel like I'm war ready. I love to talk shit, man. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So whenever someone comments, I'm like, finally, like yeah. could be a thousand good ones. But just one dude says yeah. a little. Like, okay. Every good one, I'll do the thumbs up, and then someone says something <laughs> negative. I'm like, all right, like. <laughs> Let's get into it. Yeah. Bro, absolutely. this was beautiful. I learned a lot. Um, hopefully, people learn a lot about real estate. Yeah, cool. Hopefully, they're you know more likely to invest or maybe hold off. Whatever. That's your decision. But thanks for being a guest on the pod. 100%. What, what's your thanks. YouTube channel? So people can... uh, just my name, Marco Ugba, but you'll probably okay. have to spell it for I'll me. I'll leave it in the description yeah. of all the videos. But thanks for being a guest. Appreciate cool. it. Thank you, man.